You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast on Soonerscoop.com. The entire crew joining us, at least uh, for part of the show. Uh, as we've got a uh, busy, busy day ahead of us, and uh, we just finished with a, another media session this morning uh, with Bill Biedenboe. Uh For the first time, we've talked to him in a very long time. Got to talk to Tyrese Robinson, Chris Murray, uh, also Kennedy Brooks. The first time we talked to him for a very long time. So let's welcome in the entire crew, Josh McQuistian, uh, Eddie Radosevich, and Bob Prisbillo. And uh, I did have a little house cleaning uh, item that I wanted to bring up with you, Josh, and uh, since we're always accused of never bringing you on the show or in the mix, maybe we should just do house cleaning with Josh as our opening segment. Uh, did you ever get the thing for your phone? I was I was noticed disgusting green text between me and my my AC guy uh, because he doesn't have an iPhone and he probably doesn't because he has one of those Wallaby things that you put on your like it only works on Androids where you can see into your wall so you don't drill into a gas line. Uh, but did you ever get that thing, Josh? Oh, I did, and it's it's amazing. I've used it several times. It is, is that what it's absolutely called, a outstanding. Wallabot. Wallabot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's super easy to hook up. Like it was real direct. I I was kind of interested to see if it was going to be a pain in the ass, but it was really straightforward. And you know, it it, it does. I mean, it, it it it's not just oh, there's something here. There's a water line here there's a gas you know like it, it shows you more than just hey something metal is here yeah i've got one of those and i've got an iphone too so i'm better than you um <laughs> no i mean i don't have one wow. of those i just i have a thing that will do metal or ac or mm-hmm. pipe mm-hmm. you know yeah but or you have to deal sense. with having an iphone so you know live that life yeah it's great i'm sorry thank you you don't get to just piss on literally every group text message ever. It's amazing watching all the little meltdowns. Green bubbles. Yeah, piss off. I've got one buddy. He literally melts down about it just about every time I text. So it's great. He listens, too, so he's really going to enjoy this segment. It's kind of annoying, though, but because then you have to see those. You can't just see a like or a thumb up. It always has to be like, uh, Bob liked your message about so. It's, like, it's so much shit to have to look at. If you have a that is annoying. I, I I will give you that one. My, my problem is is the Apple people and Carrie. You know tech better than I do. It's not a oh, it's not an Android problem. It's a it's an Apple problem that they choose to live with. So I'm like, you guys have created this. This is this Android will work with you. You will not work with Apple. That's different. Yeah. Actually, flip that. 
Apple won't work with you. There we go. That's what I was. I don't going think for. either one of them will work with each other. I think that's the problem. Oh, they don't like. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Don't. I don't think Android's losing sleep over that fact. I think that's a that's but a fair you're statement. Su- you're supporting K-pop though, so you're the most evil out of all of us. Well, I, I've long supported that my dastardly nature is a really underrated side of this site that we doesn't get enough play. You are often seen as the the bad guy, and I think it's pretty clear I'm a much bigger asshole than yourself. Uh, welcome in, Bob Presbillo, uh, as well. We had some hoops news today now that Josh has talked. Uh, Austin Reeves declares for the NBA draft, and uh, I, I don't think after the Gonzaga game that this was going to be surprising in the least, Bob, but at least we kind of were starting to move forward. Not only Austin Reeves, but Carlin Hartman. Uh, is going to join Kevin Kruger's staff. So we're starting to see uh, the fallout from uh, Lon Kruger's retirement. I, that's what's so weird. The, the last time we talked, Lon Kruger wasn't even re, uh, retired. We just hinted just, that it might happen. That we you know, hinted, there were some. But it's like, that's how crazy of a week between Davion Harmon, a couple guys going to the portal, now they've got Hartman and Reeves. And, you know, before the Gonzaga game, or, or even right after, a lot of talk with Reeves. Going to the portal and going to Arkansas, and I think, you know, people got in his head and said, dude, you're better than that, and what you showed against Gonzaga should let you know you're better than that. And I, and I think he is. I don't know if he'll you know how he'll make a roster. I think he'll get picked maybe in the second round, and then he'll have to fight for it. But he's got that ability, and I think it's a really nice move that he's made. And, and so now you're just kind of crossing them off one by one. You know, you're waiting for Brady Manick, waiting for – Alondis Williams to sort of make their calls. And then, of course, now you just all eyes are turned to when are they going to name that head that that head coach? Bob, do you think it's something that just as far as like, do you think Brady or Alondis would wait on their decisions and it being, I guess, contingent on who is the next head coach? Is that kind of how you see it now? Or do you think they're still in the, I guess, research phase of making a decision for Maybe for Brady, I think Alondis is out is out the door with his athletic ability. I think he can do some things going overseas, and he can make a nice chunk of change. But for 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 Brady again, I always sort of wonder just because of the way COVID destroyed the second half of his senior season. But then you also go back to the way that Lon Kruger spoke about Brady after the sure. Gonzaga game. Basically, yeah. flat out, he had it was all past tense. He had a great a great career. Like he wasn't even, you know, going with the thought there was a possibility of him coming back. So I, I think those guys are both probably going to leave. And it's just when they actually want to go ahead and make that announcement. And now you're just sort of waiting because the longer you go without naming a coach, not only can you not bring in guys from the portal, but the more likelihood of seeing your guys go to the portal. We kind of joked about Texas. And all those guys they, that they were losing, and they lost Shaka Smart last uh, last Friday. Now you're you're seeing it with OU. I mean, I, it really would surprise me if like more than five or six scholarship guys are actually still with the team when they name a head coach. And uh, Eddie, you had put it out there uh, about a, a transfer portal yesterday, uh, player. Yeah, the Grange kid. What is it, A.G., Anion Grange? I don't even Garang, know if he's a real person. Garang. It's like it's kind of like Rick Casanza. Like, I saw him <laughs> once. I think I saw him. Like, I've met Bryce Youngquist, but I don't really know if he's actually a real person. 
I mean, I, I think that that's kind of one of those moves. And along with the Trey Phipps thing, it's like the portal has been kind of kind to Oklahoma. It's just about yes. getting back to uh, getting in there and getting guys to join the program. And then you need a coach for that to happen, though. That's the problem. Yeah, you like it, it is very contingent upon who is the head coach. And, you know, thank God the thank Mark Virgin. Thank God. I, I just cannot believe that was even a thing. I love the statement that he put out or that was out there today, just as far as like that was the classic that school's not interested in me, even though my agent tried to get me interested in that yeah. school. So I'm moving on myself. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like Dana Altman and Turgeon, I'm not hearing it from within OU. It's sure. being funneled to, you know, Jeff Goodman, Andy Katz, Zagoria, you know, guys like that. It's not coming in from the people that, that I'm in contact with with and that's why you know i never really took that as serious as as like those odds makers did for sure but i thought grant mccaslin was a slam dunk i thought we'd be talking at this point in this stage of the week about mccaslin being the new head coach and what he brings recruiting the state of texas and what staff he he was going to build up but you know and then carrie you sort of brought to my attention you know the not only does it look like he's not going to be named, but doesn't even look like he was being interviewed. And, and that, to me, was the big shock, because that was the name du jour all last week. That Even before Lon went public, it's like, watch out for McCaslin. He, th- this is the guy you should circle. This is the guy that, if anything happens with Lon, this is who they're going to go after. And it just turns out that really wasn't the case. Yeah, you know, as of two days ago, OU had not had any contact with McCaslin, uh, had not requested permission to speak with him. Uh, and people are like, well, you know, the people just go through agents. Well, not not Joe C. I mean, if Joe C is going to talk to someone that's a sitting head coach somewhere, he's going through an athletic director. I mean, he did it with Lawn. Uh, he he does. I mean, that's just Joe. It's just you know, he's on all these committees. He's so well respected. Like he's going to do things the right way. He's not going to negotiate, you know, with someone's attorney and not let the school or their their agent and not let the the school know, you know, that that stuff is going on. So he's just up front. That's just how he is. So uh, that is interesting. And, and, you know, I do kind of think it'll be somebody out of the blue. I mean, I really yeah. do. Yep. I think it's going to, like, the, the Ve- they had those Vegas odds the other day, and, and Turgeon was number one. <laughs> you fuck your odds, all right? <laughs> uh, it's just, the I mean, like... That bet on Mark Turgeon should be not only identified and then shamed publicly, but maybe tar and feathered. Uh, they should be blocked from following Andy Katz, Jeff Goodman, whoever else on Twitter for like a year as punishment. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm caught up in the moment, but and I, I think I've talked myself into it. And we can get to the Eduardo Nahara thing in a second. But, like, maybe we were right as far as looking at I-35, but maybe look further south. I mean, I... There's, especially with the Final Four going on this weekend and the, the uh, you know, obviously Houston playing on Saturday. I don't know. I, the more and more people, I guess, you start listening to, maybe there is something and they take a chance on a Kellen Sampson. I have no idea. I'm closer to thinking I could buy into that, though, than I would maybe a week ago. What if it's, a, no. I, mean, I haven't even thought of this name, but what if, you know, he spent a lot of time in the same place and it's, it, it's not... I, I can't. Th- I got to think he knows his time is running out. What if Josie approached somebody like a Terry Stotts? 
I think there's very little chance of that happening. No, I'm just saying. I mean, there's zero chance of it happening. But <laughs> I'm just saying, if it's somebody that we're not talking about, I don't uh, think it will. Who be. is that person? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be, be somebody a name like that. <clears throat> is it going to be talk about joked, someone we're not talking about? I joked about yep. you know <laughs> how Mark Dagnall would be a good hire because his wife's already at OU. That's not that's never happening. But I mean, it's just a really off the beaten path thing to talk about. I mean, what would you guys think though if they went like, I don't know, I, I don't. You're not. You're certainly not going to name a combo coach. But what if they brought Kellen Sampson in to be the head coach and Quantus White as an assistant or associate head coach? That that would be the move if you're going to get someone like that. You got to kind of have your, and then you'd need an older member as part sure. of the yeah. assistant staff too. But they, that, you think they would keep a Molinari around, Bob? I I think it would kind of be up to him, really, because sure. you, you know his connections go with Kruger. He he can teach defense wherever the heck he wants to go. So if if he likes the crew that's still in Norman and thinks he can, you know, still make something of it, I I, I don't see any reason why he would drastically change on his end. But I mean, it just if man, it just feel like such an end of an era with everything that's happened. I I don't know. If, if there's a spot for him when this next era takes uh, uh, takes place. Here's the thing. People are uh, against Kellen Sampson are the same people that, you know, I think the the main excuse I've seen is, oh, we already tried that with Jeff Capel. Jeff Capel was actually a head coach before he came to Oklahoma. And Jeff Capel actually took a team to the Elite Eight. Like, it wasn't the start for Jeff Capel. I remember, I mean, that, that team had Tony Crocker and, I mean, that team didn't the, the year before they had David Godbold. And, um, uh, but, I mean, it wasn't like they just had a murderer's row of that team. I mean, they hit some threes. Uh, Alex Spaulding was, you know, on that team. Uh, they they beat Syracuse, uh, you know, early and it got some momentum. And they ended up getting losing to North Carolina that year, who went on to win a national championship. It was just clearly the better team. Uh, you know, clearly the best team that year in college basketball. Uh, and that team, I think, God, I can't even remember the players that were on that team. I'd have to go look. There's like Hansborough and uh, Felton, and I mean they were loaded. Well, Sharp remember that game? that game? Remember that that uh, uh, the Hansborough guy? I mean, he was scared shitless of Blake Griffin. Like yeah. he played a terrible game. He was intimidated, uh, and he just wilted against Blake Griffin. Uh, but, you know, they just had too many other players. Um, but what, what I'm saying, they went bad for for Capel because he started recruiting knuckleheads just because they had five stars next to their names. Sure. Uh, right. I mean, like, it doesn't mean the same thing's going to happen with Kellen. Uh, it, and look, I don't know if he'd be successful or not, but he's been alongside his dad his entire basketball career, player, coach. Like, he's had to pick up some stuff that will make him successful. And I just love the fact that he would be a new age version of his dad. I, I think he would be a really good recruiter. I think he would be a good coach. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I would rather it be Kellen Sampson. Sure as shit, I would rather it be Kellen Sampson than Mark Turgeon or Dana Altman, some old white guy retread. Yeah, yeah they... They got to get a recruiter because Carlin Hartman basically recruited this entire team. And, you know, so it's not like, you know, Lon didn't do the heavy lifting there. But if you're going to lose Carlin, too, now you, you need a head head coach 
that embraces that side of the game as well. You know, as much as you love coaching practice and coaching the games, you gotta gotta be out there. That's just the way the nature of business now. You can't have a coach that just really wants to do the X's and O's, and that's it. And so, you know, you, that's why we all think they should go younger. And that's why Kellen Sampson is such an appealing option. You feel like he'd do a tremendous job, and that's even if. He didn't bring Qantas White or Hollis Price with him. You just know on his own, he would do the best job that, that, that he possibly could. But if you bring in a couple of those other guys, then you feel like you got a staff that can really go out there and recruit as hard as possible. Well, yeah. and here's and, like, I, go ahead, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm definitely not like just anti Dana Altman. I think he's a great coach. I just think the time right now for what Oklahoma wants to do eight years ago, that would have been a magnificent hire. But, like, this is the opportunity to get young. This is the opportunity to kind of – and if you look around at the rest of the Big 12 right now, the way things are going, and, you know, hell, just look up, uh, you know, up in Stillwater as far as what they're doing in the recruiting world right now. I think that this is – you would really be missing an opportunity and almost continuing on what the Kruger era was, and even though it wasn't a bad thing at all, I think that you would be really missing an opportunity if you didn't go young. Real quick, Ty Lawson, Danny Green – Danny Wayne Green. Ellington, Ed Davis, I mean, Deion Thompson, Tyler Zeller, he was a freshman. That team was stacked. That North Carolina team was unbelievable. All uh, right, I'm well, done. It, okay, the, so- best, the best part about that trip to Memphis, though, was uh, watching uh, Tony Crocker absolutely murder Jim Behan. Yeah, that was in Memphis, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was... They were in Kansas City. Were they in the Kansas? Were they in Kansas City for the first round, and then it went to Memphis? Yeah, they went. They they lost in the first round of the Big Twelve tournament in Oklahoma City to Oklahoma State, and that was like when everybody kind of hit the panic button. And then uh, they went up to Kansas City. Did really I remember well, Memphis was opposite Memphis. them. Uh, they weren't in their bracket, but Memphis was playing, uh, and Tyreek Evans was playing, and the Memphis. I remember the Memphis crowd. They were fantastic. They were just partying the entire time, and they. Yeah, were- and I also I also remember sitting around and looking at like the Memphis uh, administrators at the time, thinking these guys are definitely cheating. And, and the then, best like, part five was years later <laughs> he got popped. The best part was I was seated right in front of the Michigan student section, uh, and they were talking so much shit to Blake Griffin before the game started. Uh, even doing like, yeah, are you black or are you white? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and just trying to get in his head and to watch them realize that that was one of the best basketball players they've ever seen in person. It was amazing to just watch them be, you know, humbled and humiliated. Because those Michigan people were insane. Like, you think of insane college students, they were insane. And then you had the, and then remember the, what was it, Moorhead State? Who was the one where Blake Griffin uh, flipped the guy over him? Like, he like grabbed his arm. It was like he, it was what Blake does, which is he knew what he was doing and it was dirty, uh, but literally flipped the guy over his back. Is Moorhead State or Morgan State one of the two? Yeah. And that was a great tournament. I mean, I really enjoyed that. That was a fun trip. By the way, okay, so here was what I was going to say. I thought this was really telling yesterday as I was listening to a, a radio interview with Lon Kruger last night. He was on with Ashback. And Al asked him what kind of job Oklahoma is. And, you know, of course, he said it's great job, great administration. 
great support, uh, great resources. And he went through all the positives and then basically said, so, you know, the arena sucks. Like, they have to do something about the arena. Uh, and guys, I think we've, we're past the stage of eyesore. It's It's gotten to the point now where OU has to develop a plan. They have to, whether it is bonds or whatever, they have to start the process of building a new arena. Yeah, the problem is, though, Kerry, is they've kind of backed themselves into a corner with the Blake Griffin Center because you have that and then you have the two practice facilities. Would you, would, I mean, I, I don't know if a full renovation of inside that building is the easiest or, you know, quote-unquote cheapest way to go. It just – there is. I, don't I mean, there they was, would want to go away from the – the facilities there are – they're better than what Oklahoma State has it was, as far as practice, Jim. I'm not saying – right. By any means. <laughs> it was never unveiled, but they did commission someone to do a master plan, just like they did at the football stadium. I think it was at the same time. Uh, a master plan of renovating Lloyd Noble. Uh, and it never, they never, they they have it all mapped out, but they never introduced it publicly because they, they wanted to do the football stadium. And remember, that was when Bourne was wanting to build his... Uh, what residential whatever that was across the street where the reason they can't practice on their practice fields anymore uh so like they didn't want to introduce too much stuff because Bourne was not going to be behind it so like they're like let's just do football we can probably do, get away with one thing right now let's do the dorms and let's do football and they never unleash the basketball one but i've had discussions with joe castiglione about this like when they were planning it, he told me kind of the details about how they could switch it to where there were suites and an upper deck and reconfigure things. So it is it is possible to renovate that facility. I know some honors colleges that they could knock over if they want to clear some space <laughs> down there. I'll help. And then the disappointment of that I I thirty five. Yeah, I mean, Arena, Lon talked about that would have been like a big night, yeah. shopping center too, and everything, and that didn't even come close to passing. Yeah, that was disappointing, and and OU was really behind it because it would have eliminated a major problem of theirs, which is a crappy basketball. But I mean, it was it was not startling, but it was really because Lon is not uh, into running anything down. But of all the things he was critical of, he basically was like, yeah, it's time. Like, it's bad. It's it's worse than people think. I'm kind of digging on the post-Long uh, Kruger, like, retirement era. He shits on the NCAA in his first uh, <laughs> press conference, and now he's taking, he's trying to tear down the LNC. I, I kind of, he might have a future in the OE athletic department if he continues. All right. Uh, there it is, your basketball talk, Josh. We're done. And I think Bob's done, too. Unfortunately, I do have a Kennedy Brooks story going up. Really great interview. I, I, I thought probably the best one he's he's done yeah. yet. No, really. he was, which he was strange, relaxed, which was strange was, for he him. He was tremendous. Yeah. No, I thought I thought Bill Beatenbow was great today, Eddie. Um, you know, he, he really and Lincoln's kind of broken down the offensive line uh, and how it's working out. But uh, getting to talk to Tyrese Robinson, really, Eddie. I think what I took out of today is. Chris Murray is pretty much your replacement for Creed Humphrey at center. Yeah, not only is Chris Murray going to be the replacement, but I think just as a whole, I think you kind of leave the 2020 season in which an offensive line probably didn't perform up to the quote-unquote standard, and 
you know, I think everybody kind of looked in the mirror and accepted that. And I'm excited to see what Chris Murray brings. Andrew Raym, it seems like, is having a really good spring. You can tell that uh, Beatenbo absolutely loves what his future could be at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Anton Harrison is in the mix. He named off quite a few guys. And even a guy like a Stacey Wilkins, it certainly seems like, has maybe gotten his head on straight. I, more than anything, Kerry, I think that they're just happy to be getting back to normal. And I think it kind of was almost reemphasized a little bit by Tyrese Robinson and when he was talking about just hanging out with guys outside of the field or outside of the practice field, uh, being able to just kind of almost take their guard down a little bit. And, you know, I, but, uh, Bill said that they leaned out and they – I mean, you could tell Tyrese Robinson's definitely lost some weight. You could just tell in his face. Yeah, and uh, was it Tyrese that he said he's lost so much we're trying to get him to gain some back even? I, I think that was Harrison. That was Harrison. Yeah, Anton Harrison. Okay. Uh, and then, a, I mean, Josh will love this. A lot of praise for Andrew Rame today, I thought. Hmm. Andrew Rame's really good. I, that's that's shocking news to me. I'm I'm really blown <laughs> away on that one. I I don't think there is an uglier scar rivals is going to have to wear on Oklahoma's roster than Andrew Rame. So that that is it's not often I'm in lockstep with OU fans, but that was one that I was like, we're just wrong on this. We're this is just bad. Yeah, and you weren't afraid to bang that drum. You did that yeah. from the beginning. I uh, he's he's just outstanding. I mean, when you've got a ex NFL offensive lineman being like this kid's unbelievable as an offensive lineman, like. You should listen. And, you know, Bob, every everybody on our site tried to tell everybody, and there was just no takers. So what can you do? But, no, I mean, guys, I, I've talked about it. I mean, and we, we've talked about it as a group. It, my question is how do you keep him off the field? And how do you keep – I mean, something's got to give. You've got two experienced seniors at guard, but – if you made me guess at the end of their careers which one is talked about as the best player, I'd bet on Andrew Rame 100 times out of 100. Well, and Bill said today that he almost started him last year. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I, yeah. that he, they got to a point where he was almost like, I, I'm just going to have to start this kid. So between Marquis Hayes, Tyrese Robinson, and Andrew Rame, you're looking at, like, that's the trio of guards, right? Yeah, and, and it's interesting to me that Marcus Alexander doesn't come up because as a freshman, I heard his name several times, like talking to people that they really liked where he was going. It's a good problem to have, I would I would imagine. And Rain can play a little bit of – like I would imagine Rain knocks over to play center when Murray mm-hmm. leaves. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that's where Nate Anderson's gotten a lot of time. So, that's you know, I, I don't – That's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm, yep. So, I don't know what – I mean, and, and Nate makes a lot of sense. The way they like a good athlete there at center, and Nate's unbelievable in that realm. So uh, if he can put on the weight and be an interior guy, then he could be very, very good in that role. Uh, you know, outside of that, I, I really enjoyed talking to Chris Murray. We, we've never had a chance to interview him today. Very humble guy. Um, I, I He was just very chill, like, Yes, <laughs> I, I mean, that's the best way I can explain. He's just a very chill dude. Like he's Cali, bro. The, he does not seem stressed. Yep. <laughs> he t- for sure, yeah, total Josh, Cali. It really was. <laughs> I did. Gonna... I did. I don't know why I do this, but he talked about being a born again Christian. But then I asked him a question and he cussed. It's like I just have a knack for making people cuss. It's the strangest damn thing. 
I, I don't know about Eddie, but I literally never cuss except on this podcast. So it's, it is, it's you. It's absolutely you. I mean, Eddie cusses all the time. They took all the cuss words out of the Bible. That was lost in translation. (laughs) Eddie is like, you know, he's pro cussing. He just is. He's the most pro cusser person that I know. I wear that with a badge of honor. We just, we just made Eddie's new bio on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> He's the most pro cusser person I know. <laughs> Shit, there, we might live in a world where I can make money off of that. I'll teach your kid how to cuss. Bring him over for an hour. Unfortunately, people will take you up on that. I know. Oh, that's a scary thing. <laughs> you, you should be like, you know, you need a, you need a, 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 a passing game. You need like your margin hooks, uh, and then you need Eddie to teach your kid how to be foul mouth as he's scoring basically like a search firm (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah anyway by the way uh we should point this out bob's still with us uh he can't leave apparently I don't know what that's about. Well, Bob, yeah, I got a few more minutes. Okay, wife gave you. A few, it's okay, honey. You can you can stay. Um, hey, he got the pass. It doesn't matter how it got here. He got the pass. Oh my god, <laughs> that's right. Band of brothers, Bob. You two are just a team. <laughs> Thank you. Domestics is what you are. <laughs> Domesticated, domesticated bros. Um, so I mean, Bob, was there anything you know? That you, I, I kind of gave my thoughts on what I thought stood out. Was there anything that you really kind of gravitated toward today that you saw or heard? Uh, I liked when Bill talked about Wanye Morris and the recruiting process and how he felt like Morris from the get go wanted to be a sooner, but instead he stayed closer to home. And but now that he's here, how he appreciates Wanye always asking questions, even though he's a two year starter and. Maybe there's some sort of arrogance you thought might come with that. Ever, like, ever since he's gotten to Norman, it's just been about getting better and realizing how Bill can help him get to that point. By the way, did it seem like everybody loved Eric Gray today? He got a bunch yep. of love yeah. today. There's I mean, a lot of buzz, man, that he's a dude. There's a, there's a lot to like, is there not? I mean, after you – to, to – for those guys that saw Ramondre Stevenson a year ago, to be like, wow, this guy's really good. Like, th- that, there's something to that. I mean, th- there is something very impressive about this guy. And maybe he's just a really good dude off the field, too, because that, you know, I think people loved TJ Pledger, uh, and they talked him up, but, I mean, I, I don't think to this level, and it's only been one day of talking to people about him, but... I mean, he did the amount of times he came up today without even being mentioned. Like we, we asked about Wanya Morris, we asked about Chris Murray. I don't think anybody asked specifically about Eric Gray, but his name came up four or five times. Yeah, it was just a question of like for Kenny Brooks, how different does this room look compared to the one you saw in 2019? No Stevenson, no Pledger, but when Brooks started talking about Eric Gray, you could see like the voice inflection changed. He got just like the eyes got wide. And he was like that that guy's a dog. That that's that's how Brooks phrased it. And I mean, you know, when you look at what he's able to do with the Tennessee line, that's why people were so excited. Like get him behind OU's line with Bill Beatenbow getting it straight all straightened out. 
then you could really see what Gray is cap- is capable of doing. Well, and I, you know, I, that's the thing about the spring game. I don't know how much we'll see those guys. Uh, I, I, you know, it might be more the walk-ons. It might be uh, that they just don't run the ball that much because they just protect running backs during the spring. But you know, it, it is interesting because maybe it's that'll be something interesting to ask Lincoln next time we talk to him. Like. Are you more physical this spring since you didn't have one last year uh, just to kind of get back into the flow of things? Because these guys haven't played as much football over the past 12 months, you know, as other football players in their shoes, uh, you know, in the past. So it's like maybe they've maybe they will play the running backs in the in the spring game maybe there will be more carries maybe they'll change things up a little bit okay the weather is uh starting to get better people are getting vaccinated everybody is uh getting out and about uh i know i certainly am uh, a few days away from being fully uh vaccinated i think eddie you're right about there with me um what yep we're getting close did you get the second shot yet already got the second Second shot, ready to roll. Okay. I was wearing dead socks when I got them, too. Uh, well, now everybody in Oklahoma uh, is eligible to get the vaccine, thanks to uh, the uh, decree of the governor yesterday, uh, which means people are going to be getting out more and more, and it's a never a, it's never a better time uh, than now to go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. We even uh, are starting to pull in celebrity uh, endorsers for Dead Soxy. Uh, Eddie is uh, the uh, communications director for Houston, uh, who is uh, enjoying the Final Four. I think Dead Soxy might be making an appearance on his feet at the Final Four uh, because uh, they contacted us and him, and he was talking about Dead Soxy, and they were like, hey, give us your address. We'll send you some. Uh, and there's a reason why the socks are so great. Uh, those things just cling to your legs like a vice grip, Eddie, if, you're, if you get the boardroom edition. Uh, those silicone beads that they talk about, those things really work. And right now, uh, using the promo code uh, BOOMER uh, at checkout, you'll get 30% off uh, your entire order. Just use that promo, promo code BOOMER uh, at checkout and uh, get yourself some boardroom. Uh, but, Eddie, get the no-shows, too. Yeah, you know I'm all about the no-shows, especially when I'm wearing the uh, golf shoes, as I will be over the next few months with the Masters coming up next weekend. So, yeah, you can't go wrong with Dead Soxy, and I'm always pleased when I'm wearing them. (laughs) I was going to say, you know the great thing about the no-shows that I've realized? Like, you don't have to color coordinate because nobody's going to see them. That's the best part, and especially for somebody like me that knows he loses socks on the reg, I just can grab two of them and go. So you go mismatch no shows. I I would say I do that eighty five percent of the time. <laughs> I never even thought about doing mismatch. Uh, all right, go to deadsoxy.com, dot com d e a d s o x y dot com. Use that promo code thirty percent off. Uh, promo code boomer at checkout. And as always, stay soxy. It's pretty Remember clear the- from talking to the offensive line today, Bob. Like that that was something we kind of touched on, but like we never really took into account how much that season affected or we never had a chance to really talk to people talk to much now that they're past it they were pretty honest about you know last year sucked and it really screwed us up and we weren't as good as we should have been as a team because of it yeah and we it just became so obvious that it was offensive line. i don't know if it was like that with every team i really don't but you could tell with ou 
offensive line was hit the most by everything that they had to go through. And, you know, you feel like you've got a sense of it when you looked at the, the weights when they entered spring coming off a normal off, uh, uh, off season plan, Benny Wiley getting them to where they, they want to be. So you, you get back to having those expectations and what Bill talked about mentality. That's going to be the, the, the key word. I think that you're going to be seeing thrown out time, time and time again. But what I want about the running backs, if you remember, was it 2018 spring game where it looked like Pat Fields almost injured Trey Sermon for the season? Yeah, and they kind of, yes. you know, you, you always get those moments like that. So it, it is going to be uh, curious to see how Lincoln tries to uh, juggle everything when it comes to how to use the backs. You know, it's it's kind of interesting too when you talk about like Kennedy, and he mentioned today that he's still get basically getting back into the fold. And I like I usually I roll my eyes at that, but. He literally is like this is what his fourth, fifth practice back out on a football field since taking a year off. I would imagine you'd want him to get hit a little bit just to get back in the flow of things. I thought it was just interesting, you know, him describing his decision uh, to sit out the year. uh, And it, you know, it not a lot of people decided to do that. But I mean, he was just one of those people like he and his family they were freaked out about COVID they didn't understand it they didn't know how bad it was uh and I asked him like are you still kind of freaked out uh and I think he said I might get the vaccination I was like you sat out a whole year and you have to think about whether you want to get the vaccination or not like I okay I was kind of hoping he'd go anti-vaxxer on us though because that would have been interesting just started rambling on like QAnon posts yes like, just stuff <laughs> off Talking about DNA changing how, how and stuff like Mike that. I would have hit the, uh, the leave button on that, on that Zoom. Uh, it would have been the last time we talked to Kennedy Brooks this year. Yeah. <laughs> Might have been the last time we see Kennedy Brooks if that was the case. But, I mean, but you talk to other players like Tyrese Robinson, and he's talking about, uh, you know, can't wait to get the vaccine or – you know, it's going to be great not being in contact tracing. It's going to be great sure. being able to be face to face to go over, you know, the other people's houses that have been vaccinated. Like, there's just a big, I think, sense of relief over this team right now because uh, they do see light at the end of the tunnel that has not been there up to, the, you know, in the middle of their football practices to this point. Yeah. And I mean, it just, it, I, I think I, like, I had a good idea just how kind of messed up everything was last year and how much it sucked for those guys. But I don't think I really had any idea just how shitty it was. And I know that they're playing football and they're getting paid to go to school and all that stuff. But I don't know, man. It, it would have been just such a just a fucking drag at the end of the day. Well, I always thought about it as just because I remember going to get a COVID test. And I got like the rapid one. And it was uh, after the Big 12 championship game. I didn't go to it because I woke up with a sore throat. And just the anxiety of not waiting for the result, but, you know, going and getting the test and just knowing I was taking a test. And if I got a positive, what that meant and, you know, what were going to be the symptoms. Like those guys had to do that three times a week, waiting to find out, if they were going to be able to play like the mental just pummeling that you would have to take in that situation. Like today was kind of the day they got to admit like, yeah, it was terrible. 
So I, yeah. I appreciate it. I mean, it just that would have that would have been it just would have been awful. I I can't imagine. But I and I think Bill said it uh, during his uh, during his Zoom session. Just as far as like, usually you get through you know halfway or you know over halfway through spring practice, and everybody kind of not basically gives up. But your your mindset probably isn't what it was during the first or second week. And he said today he wishes that he thinks that they'll probably wish that they had 20 more practices just because they're able to get out there and do so much. Yeah, and I I mean, it's going to be interesting, you know, how many reps, you know, like Caleb Williams gets in the spring game. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what Jaden Hazelwood and Trajan Bridges look like. Um, because I look, they're they're good in practice, but you know they've got to make a jump. And, you know, Theo Ease has got to make a jump. Everybody's got to make a jump. I mean, there's a jump Austin Stogner can make. There's, a you know, Braden Willis. I mean, you go down that lineup on offense, there's not one person where you're just like, yeah, they got it all figured out. Like, they're going to be tremendous. Like, it's, a, it's all a bunch of people that were really highly recruited, a lot of talent, that you know they have a ceiling they haven't come close to reaching yet. That, no, that's a great way to say that. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, no, I, I don't compliment you. I mean, just I don't compliment <laughs> you enough. So I wanted, I wanted to weigh in there and give you a little love. But yeah, I, guys, I mean, that's and forgive me if I'm a little repetitive here. I, w- I was dealing with some travel plans there momentarily. Um, Thanks for giving us your undivided attention. Well, it's work stuff. I mean, if that helps, you know, I'm trying to get some games here. But, um, no, I was, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to me talking about Spencer Rattler because there are moments where you're like, I, I feel like people forget that this guy just hasn't played a lot of football. There were some moments last year where you were like, this isn't just like not to Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield levels. This is just not very good right now. And I mean, the talent's all there. I mean, I think we all expect that that leap will be made. But it's interesting how much it's just kind of taken for granted. Like, yeah, he'll be that guy. Like, I, I we'll see. Like, you know, I, I want to see him do it. It's it's something that I think people just kind of assume because Lincoln Riley is Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler is so talented that it all just comes together. I'm like that offense guy. This is something I said earlier today. I think I'm more comfortable that I know what the defense is than I know what the offense is. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I I mean, the thing about Spencer, though, Josh, that I keep thinking about is, yeah, he had some throws. Like, that throw, the last throw against Iowa State, he threw it into double coverage, got intercepted, and you're just like, yeah, that's what a freshman looks like. I mean, a panic throw. But he also had throws where, you know, he scrambles around, and hits Theo Weiss, who just broke off his route and is just freelancing out there, and drops it in the bucket right in his hands, and Theo Weiss doesn't catch it. Like, I think about the the pass he made. Like, the, I think the most underrated pass he made all year. You you have to actually go back and watch it on TV to realize how good it was. That pass that he made to Jaden Hazelwood in the end zone. It, I think they went for it on fourth down, or wasn't that they went for or. Maybe it was third down and they end up kicking a field goal. But it was in the very corner. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood got both his feet down, hit him right in the chest. And Spencer Rattler, like, made the world move to even get in position to make that throw. Like, it was a catchable ball. 
Like, he, it should have been caught. It should have been a touchdown. You, you should have been like, holy shit, Spencer Rattler just made the play of the game. Yeah, there, there is – he can do some stuff with – somebody asked me today, like, what would be his NFL career ceiling? And I was – I compared him to, like, a Matt Stafford. Like, that sort of arm talent that is just – Holy shit, he will do some things every once in a while that just blow you away. And then, and again, I, I totally get it. Last year, didn't have a normal spring, didn't have a normal summer, and really just kind of got thrown out there in week one. Like, you know, and I, that's not a diss on OU. Everybody's just living in that world where it was a strange season. But I, I feel like there's so much about Spencer Rattler that we don't know that we just kind of take on faith is going to be cleared up. And I'm like, I, I, I believe in him. I mean, guys, you guys know, I mean, as a high school guy, I raved about the kid. I, I think he is as talented as anybody Oklahoma has had under center. But it's just one of those things I'm like, I, I want to see it. Because that that offense last year, I, I think because of Oklahoma's reputation, it got it was almost, like I said, the reverse of the defense where Oklahoma's reputation overshadowed what the defense was actually doing. And I think in reverse, offensively, Oklahoma's reputation kind of made people forget that there were times that offense sputtered pretty badly. Yeah. I mean, there were there times was, when it was just completely painful, stagnant. painful series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That second half against Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game, uh, Oklahoma was almost non-existent offensively. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, and that that generally never happened. It would happen under Jalen Hurts, but that's not something you would see from Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. For for some reason, I was watching the uh, Tech game the other day, and Rattler, I, and it's probably not a coincidence that things started really rolling after that game, but he made some throws in that game that were just incredible. The one, the one that I thought you were going at, Carrie, uh, was the uh, throw to Stogner in the end zone. That's one of those throws that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's not very many people in college football that can make that. Well, the other thing is like, what's funny about Spencer is he is pretty fearless and he can make some throws that you don't want your quarterback making, but he can also complete those throws. Like, remember, it's another Big 12 championship game, but remember the the pass where Jaden Hazelwood jumps up among, like, five people and catches it in the air, and he gets basically, you know, spun around midair and thrown to the ground. But, like, when he threw that pass, you were like, don't throw a pass like that. There are five people standing there, five defenders. And, like, he just fits it in there perfectly in the only place you could possibly fit it in, and you're just like, God, this kid's got ridiculous arm talent. It probably all goes hand-in-hand, hand, but I would think that if if they think, you know, and you listen to Bill, and he talks about the group that up front, if they're just flat-out better up front as an offensive line unit, I, that may it's obvious, but it, it's going to make Rattler's life so much more easier if you could run the ball. And they just weren't able to do that when yeah. he struggled well, and it was it was kind of disjointed. I, I mean, at times, play calling was disjointed. I think Lincoln Riley was trying to learn Spencer Rattler. He was trying, sure. and they never really had, like you said, they never had a, a run game that they just relied on that could get you know keep them out of you know third and medium, third and long. And not to mention the most obvious thing that's out there, just as far as you would go through a week of practice not knowing who you're going to have out there and how to game plan for a yeah. game. Yeah. If something, if someone gets popped, so I mean, it, it's just kind of it was it was a weird year, and you would think that they would take a step in the right direction this year, just as far as getting guys back and you know listening to Bill today. I 
walked away thinking that they could be pretty damn good up front. Or yeah. at least back to what they uh, at least back to what you're used to seeing. Yeah, because I I just I you know even with Creed Humphrey, I just felt like last year was just a so-so year. I mean, on the offensive line and for whatever reason, I think Creed was a little banged up. Tyrese Robinson did not have a good year. Uh and they just never got into a rhythm. So it, it, it needs to be better this year for sure. Uh, Josh, let's hit the recruiting world a little bit. Um, I know we got some camps coming up that we're sending you to. Going to send you out to uh, uh, California if they'll let you in. I don't know if they'll you'll be able to get out. But uh, tell us uh, tell us what's happening. And in, 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 you know, we've been talking about uh, you know guys that are out there playing, and there's been some interesting stuff about Luther Burden. Uh, that's been out there in, in Missouri and changing programs and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, it is uh, – we'll start off with the big news. I, I get to go – I'm going to go cover my first Virginia high school football this week. Going to go see Kelvin Gilliam, uh, DeMond Harmon, and the 2023 cornerback offer, Braylon Johnson. So uh, just – I mean, really, Gilliam's a kid I've been talking to for over a year now. And at the time when it looked like OU was a real contender, I thought I'd go see him last fall. But now I'm, you know, get a chance to go see him this spring. So uh, they're off to a big start. This is the game when I initially started talking to Demond and Kelvin, Kelvin, Kelvin about what um, game I should go to. It was this Verena game that I'm going to be at on Friday night, and so really just excited to see him. He's off to a huge start this year. Uh, Harmon had a big interception a couple weeks ago. Uh, they are, I mean, just a, Highland Springs is one of the dominant, dominant programs in kind of that region of the, of the country. I think they're three time defending state champions. So they're a big time school. I, I'm sure even outside of the three that I know, I'm going to see some guys. Uh, the week after that, the plan is for me to go to Southern California, see Malachi Nelson, see Makai Lemon, see Relic Brown. See some of those big names. Um, like we said, the only thing holding us up right now is just making sure it's going to be okay. It's deemed safe for me to come in and make these trips. Uh, but if that all comes to pass, then we'll be there. And then the Sunday, uh, I, I'm being a derelict father that particular weekend. I, my, my, uh, travel will be Thursday, Friday. I'm going to fly back and not even fly home because there's just no point. I'll be here for like three hours and then have to leave again. So I'm going to fly into Dallas, catch the Dallas Rivals camp, and then actually fly home on Sunday. So I think it's the longest I'm going to be away from my children for like, I don't know, since they were pretty much born. It's been a couple of years at least with all that's gone on. So they're so anyway. Yeah, no, they're, they're going to love it. I mean, like they're going to do pedicures and manicures. Like they'll have a girl time. It'll be fine. They won't miss me for a minute. But um you know, and then obviously, like you said, I mean, we're still seeing more and more visits uh, coming up. Um, you mentioned the Luther Burden news that was in Woke this morning. There is just a lot of smoke right now about Missouri really making a run at Luther Burden. And what it's just a tough thing to gauge because the only people you're hearing that from are kind of Mizzou-sided sources. But at the same time, they're the local school. It makes some sense that they might have some insight into that. If it was a thing where Missouri was telling me that about a kid in Oklahoma City, I'm going to be like, eh, I know more about this than you do. It's not really that way here. So I'm, I'm having to kind of feel my way through it. 
But talking to some people today, and I actually need to put some stuff up on the board to kind of follow up on what was in Woke, there is definitely a feeling that if anybody could turn him, it would probably be Missouri. But some of the people I talk to really think he's pretty locked into Oklahoma. That history there, uh, I guess it would start with Jeremy Macklin. Um, then you got Doriel Green Beckham. Missouri won that one too. Is there a is there a win? I guess Deron Neal is the win. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that is. Well, I mean, you know, are we talking about receiver? I mean, can we throw Dan Tapko in there? I mean, that was a big oh one for God, OU. Oh my God, Dan Tapko. Well, uh, who is the uh, Dan Tapko? Who was the uh, the center uh, that played? I think he's still playing in the NFL. Evan Bain. Evan Bain. Evan Bain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I mean, and. Evan is one of the few guys that ever, cause like he and I had got, developed a really good relationship through, you know, kind of his recruitment. That one hurt. And yeah, I remember that. And, and he was, he was like, man, I, you know, like he apologized to me. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you don't need to like go where you want to go, man. Like I was just like, congratulations. But he was like, man, I'm really sorry. It was a really tough decision. I'm like, dude, it, it's fine. Like he I'm sure a- there are some reporters you do need to apologize. I'm not one of them. So you do your thing. Was he a coach's kid? Yeah, his dad was the head coach, okay. and they, if I remember, I know they went to state finals that year, and I think they won, but I'm not, I'm not 100% on that part. Um, but yeah, oh, you know, it's a place where Oklahoma has recruited and actually has had some success, but boy, they have definitely taken some, some hard beats. Some lumps, Marquise yeah. Hayes is a Missouri guy, obviously Perkins, Ronnie. Yeah. Um, and, well, and the Ronnie thing that's a big feather in OU's cap in that battle is his brother played at Missouri. Yeah. Hey, one of the best. I mean, same kind of deal, a, a real stake to the, the Tigers. Trey, Mal, Trey Millard from Columbia, Miller. Missouri. Played at Rockbridge. I'm yeah, t- why did I say Millard? I don't know why I said Millard. You're right, Millard. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I mean, like you look at it, there's a good track, Donald Stevenson, Tyler Evans. I mean, guys that have played a lot of football for Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, I mean, Evan Bames, a tough one. Um, Marcus Lucas. Yeah. B O E H M. Yep. From Lee summit. Lee summit. Drive through there. Don't you? Yeah. St. Louis. I think that's right. What about wasn't there wasn't was OU trying to get the uh, the linebacker uh, Sean um, really good uh, Witherspoon? Was it Witherspoon? The kid um, for uh, Missouri and then went on to the Falcons and I think yes. he was with the Saints for a yeah, while. Yeah, I don't remember them recruiting him. Like, don't get me wrong, really good player would have been absolutely worthy of being recruited, but I don't. Let's see, he is. I'm looking him that up. Was, he is. That was maybe pre-Josh time. Yeah, let's see. He was. Well, he was from Texas. That's right. No, he. I don't think he was offered by OU. I don't think. He, yeah. I think everybody kind of ignored him. He I mean, is kind of like. I think Sheldon Williamson was the same way, wasn't he? Uh, Sheldon Richardson. Richardson. You mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, now Sheldon was. Uh, he was an offer kid. OU tried to recruit him hard, but he was. I, I don't think. That was kind of the beginning of the Jackie Ship tail off. Like yeah. he would offer those guys, and you were like, "Well, it's Jackie Ship; he'll have a chance." And then after three or four years, you're like, "No, no, he doesn't have a chance." Like it's, <laughs> it, like, oh, it shit. sounds good. This guy's not recruiting anymore. He's not. He's literally not going anywhere. 
Yeah. Oh man. I, I, I'm hard pressed to think. Maybe the only guy I can think of whose star fell as fast or at a similar speed is, um, uh, oh, the guy who came from, was it Georgia? And then he went to Miami. He was the DB coach for like a year. He's Josh Josh Heupel's uh, defensive backs coach. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Willie. Willie. Yep. Yep. Cause I mean, he was like all the rage and then was just not anymore. So by the way, uh, if you're out there, dark days, if you're out there listening to Andrew bone, my apologies again, Willie Martinez incident. Wasn't pretty day. Not a pretty day for me. Carrie's an asshole. I am, I am unfamiliar with what we're talking about here. What, what, what's the story? I have no idea what you're talking about. I yelled at someone. Oh. Really yelled oh. at them. Oh, the, that sounds right. Poor guy was just an intern, and I yelled at him. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Not and I said Andrew Bone. That's yeah. That yeah, was I was like that's our Alabama I, guy. No, uh, uh, and, Andrew Ford is who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I kind of remember this now. Yep. So anyway, um, okay. So let me ask you, Josh, uh, if you had to name, just give me two other big recruiting storylines right now that you're following. Um, one of the ones, and, and I mentioned it in woke, um, is the the kind of ongoing situation with Amaria Bohr, the the defensive lineman we've talked a lot about from Duncanville. Uh, Rivals 250 guy, big-time guy that OU's been in on for a long time. It's interesting because I I talked to him some this week, and he had mentioned that he is not planning to take an official visit to Oklahoma. And a lot of people are going to read that, oh, that's automatically negative. But he's a guy that really, you know, like a lot of guys right now, he's having to really prioritize his trips. And He's a Duncanville kid. He's a Dallas area guy. He can drive to Oklahoma and go see a game, or he can drive to UT and go see a game. He can't drive to Ohio State. He can't drive to Alabama. So he's kind of decided to prioritize, like, if I can only take two or three or four official visits, which may be all I have time for, I want to take those to places that I can't just drive to on any given weekend. But what's interesting is he told me he probably wouldn't take a visit to OU, but when I asked him how many officials he was going to take, he was, you know, it was like Bama, Ohio State, and um, I'm going to forget who the LSU third one was. And maybe USC. Yeah, as well. and then maybe USC, and and so like like he's got three and a half, maybe. So maybe Oklahoma sneaks in late. Now I will say, um, we have a source on the board who is very well connected that has said he will be there uh, unofficially. I, I assume for the Nebraska game. So. Oklahoma's already starting to work that far out. And, guys, something we should talk about is the interesting storyline that has emerged about uh, Oklahoma and any schools in the NCAA possibly being able to host recruits so long as they have open practices. And how Oklahoma's going to measure that, you know, like, are we willing to let people come watch us practice if we can get the recruits on campus? Like, that's going to be really interesting to watch coaches kind of work through that decision process. That means, like, like now or next season? I read that blurb, and I took it as that was possible. Uh, let's see, I think it was Brian Fisher that put that yeah, out. Yeah, that is who put it out, yeah. Um, and uh, like I said, I didn't read it as down the line, but I mean, I think it was, 
I'd have to go find it. See, I'm going to put this out there and then not have all the particulars. This is why we need Bob here. I'm totally lost. But um, but no, my understanding is that that was a p- possible thing. Um, let's see, because that's one way schools can get players. Yeah, like he's talking about now. Like this is something that could happen now. Um, let's see, okay. During the temporary COVID-19 recruiting dead period, may a prospective student-athlete attend an institution's practice that is open to the general public? Yes. Provided the prospective student-athlete's attendance is not at the direction of an institutional staff member and the practice session is open to the general public. So it's not as good as having a guy on campus, but you could have Gentry Williams or Talon Shetron or somebody come down and hang out and at least be a part of things to some degree rather than just completely hands-off. See, that seems kind of dumb, though, because you're just going to have them in the stands with the fans. Mm-hmm. Which... I, I, I don't know how that's better by the NCAA's yes. estimation, I mean, but it think, seems to be. You think OU compliance is going to be down for that? No. no. Uh, oh, come man. on. They got their work cut out for them. I mean, they won't even let us take a picture of kids when they're on campus. <laughs> oh, man. We need to just hire some fans from different sections that have, like, really good camera phones and be like, just just take pictures, man. You're, you're a fan. They well, can't stop you. One section. It'd be pretty easy. Except Josh would say, I'm sorry, if it's an iPhone, it doesn't count. So true. No, I mean, yeah, they're lost in the translation. <laughs> Cameras are pretty good. I mean, I... <laughs> I'll send you a thank you for my green bubble. Or am I a blue bubble? I can't remember. You're green. Green, yeah. yeah. Okay. Green is gross. That's how you remember. Oh, sure, sure. That's, I mean, wait, real mature there, pal. I don't know if you gave us two storylines or just one, but I think it was good. I know you got, <laughs> you got daughters to take care of. It's getting to that time of day, I think, for you. Um, no, you know, there, I mean, I absolutely do need to get to that, but there, um, you know, like I said last week, it's kind of things that are, um, kind of moving, uh, somewhat quietly. Cause like I said, the staff is so focused right now on getting to actually be out there working with the team yeah. and doing things that feel normal. So recruiting, I mean, you know, you're seeing a trickle of offers. There's a few new guys that have come out. Actually, interestingly, you know, we talked, um, uh, you know, I know we talked a little bit about some of the offensive skill players. They actually made an offer uh, yesterday to a guy from Jeremiah Hall's old high school in Charlotte, North Carolina, Vance High School. So that's kind of interesting. Out, he's a Jamar Kane guy, kind of an edge. Uh, uh, James Pierce is his last or is his name, and uh, going to be an interesting guy. It's even more funny because he kind of looks like Clayton Smith when you look at pictures of him. Same numbers, same colors. It's it's kind of interesting how that all works out. But, I mean, you're not seeing anything too crazy going on right now. But, like I said, I'll be hitting the road this week. Should have some good content, some stories over the next few weeks. And, you know, I, you know I'm going to drag Eddie to Dallas with me in a couple of weeks, and there should just be an absolute ton of guys for us to kind of see and uh, even should get a Gentry Williams appearance, I believe. Is he healthy enough yeah. to do camps? Oh, he's just going to hang out. Like, he'll just be there. But we can get an interview, kind of see where he's at, catch up with him a little bit. Um, the last time we spoke, I ended up chopping our interview into, like, three different entities because it was like a 40-minute interview, and I never do those. It's like a podcast. Yeah, he and I just had a lot to talk about, and we kind of went over a lot of stuff. 
And it ended up, like, by the time I kind of got through, okay, now I need to actually sit here and transcribe it, it was like two weeks old. I had used 40% of it already and most of the good stuff. And I was like, well, okay, this is just, this is something left, better left dead. Now you know how um, Bob Stoops Part 5 happens. Yes, yes, it would have been Gentry Williams Part 4. I mean, like, it was... Now, how many microphone cables got in the frame during that interview? No, this was just he and I on the phone. I mean, oh, okay. this was just a this was a stock. Oh God, can you imagine a forty minute like camera interview? Oh, that makes me nauseous. I can't even think about that. Do you know how many okay okays Definitely. or so? Yeah, definitely. I know. You know that kind of that would just be running <laughs> rampant. Eddie's that gonna have a, Eddie's a gonna headache. have a imagine me having to edit that. Yeah, Eddie's gonna have a. <laughs> Todd Snyder supercut I mean, of all that, your definitely that, someday. That's a nightmare scenario is what that is. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie literally just got anxiety. He starts chewing his nails. He's fidgeting, just talking oh, about man. the idea. That I, I That's going to give me a headache the rest of the day, just thinking about it. <laughs> Okay, see, like one joke's enough, and then it gets hurtful, Eddie. Then it's just, then it then it stings a little too much. <laughs> hey, I did want to ask you, because we, we talked to the defensive guys on Monday just real quick, and it, it, I literally just thought of it. What would you make of the Marcus Stripling news about him moving full-time to Rush Edge? Uh, I think that's... I, I say Rush Edge every time. Yeah, whatever. I, I, I think it's interchangeable. But no, um, I, I, I'm kind of torn on it because I don't think he is a supernatural fit there because I don't think... I mean, Marcus is a very good athlete and he's twitchy, but I, I think the best bet was him going the Jalen Redmond route and putting on weight to play inside where his athleticism really would shine. Cause I mean, you, you, you know, you, we've seen enough of Marcus Stripling. He's clearly a good player, but is he so twitchy? He's going to move around like Nick Benito or Clayton Smith or one of those guys. I, I don't see that. I, you know, like I said, I don't think it's a deal where it won't work. I don't, I, I think he can be fine out there. But to me, you know, I'm always looking for what's his best avenue, what, what's going to get the sure. most out of his talent. And I feel like inside is probably for the best. But Marcus is one of those rare guys that lost weight out of high school. Like when I saw him, the, I, I saw him his last game of his senior year, and he was like 265. He had to have been. Now, he looked overweight. Like it wasn't all good weight. I'm not saying it was. Um, but – then I saw him, you know, freshman year and even, you know, even last year, you're like, man, he's playing at like 250, 255 at most. Now it's lean and it looks good, but I'm like, I know he can carry more weight, but I, I guess they just decided, you know, it's, well, if Jamar anything, Kane it's a good had, sign for the depth they have. Jamar Kane had kind of hinted like they figured out that like 260 is the max that his body wants to carry. So it's mm -hmm. like they just. I think they just kind of gave up on the idea that he was going to be able to bulk up. I, like I said, that um, if that and if that's the case, then you have to do what you can do because two two sixty is boy, that's pretty light at that position. I yeah. mean, playing as far inside as they've got that guy that position. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, can he? Will he pick up some explosion if you drop him down into low two forties or something? Maybe. And then you can talk about a guy that's a really stout run guy. Could almost be a, I guess the best way to say it would be like a rich man's John Michael Terry. Like a little more explosive, a little more athletic. Not the kind of guy you want, you know, out in space. Like a Benito. You know, John Michael Terry's not making that interception at Baylor. Or, you know, Marcus Ripling's not making that play either. But 
they could do some other things where they're a little bit thicker, a little bit sturdier than maybe Benito when something's coming right at him. It, it seemed like after listening to uh, Jamar Kane talk on Monday, not only can you see why he's excelling as a recruiter, but that that whole entire group, I think OU fans should be extremely excited about. And it sounds, uh, I mean, it sounds like uh, Reggie Grimes is starting to take a lot of steps this spring. Yeah. Ago. What, what I, did, I was uh, wondering about that. I'm interested in him. 300 snaps are out there available after uh, the departure of uh, Joe Michael. Yeah. And I uh, think Reggie uh, Grimes could get a lot of them. I, I talked to somebody the other day. Um, well, now, Reggie Grimes isn't working there, is he? Is he working at oh, Rush no, no, now? No, no, yeah. I mean, he's. Yeah, okay, okay. Just he'll pick up snaps. Yeah, I got you. Um, you know, I am here in. There is not a lot of doubt on Clayton Smith. They, they, I, I have heard some buzz that that's going to be a dude. That they're, you know, yeah, and you it's, could tell that, that they were kind of, you know, hesitant to really say what they really felt because they, like Jamar Kane, not that he went out of his way, but there was not a lot of, I, I don't know if maybe they're just tempering expectations because they don't want another buki situation on their hands. Uh, but, you could tell yeah, there's some excitement there. I, I was gonna say, is he the is he the most anticipated freshman incoming true freshman on the defensive side of the ball? Like, who was the last success story like that? I guess would be the best way to say it. I don't want to go negative and bring up Buki's name. Oh, I mean, who would be that guy? I mean, I mean as, as as great as Kenneth Murray turned out, it wasn't like there was all this hype about his arrival. Sure, and like DJ Graham had a great freshman season, but I don't think anybody was necessarily, you know, banging down the door to just can't wait until he gets <laughs> the field type thing. I mean, I think Ronnie Perkins had a lot of expectations. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, he but yeah, I mean, him. it's been a while since OU's had that big time guy. And I, guys, I don't know. Maybe it's just like me. Recruiting matters. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, I mean, it don't the stuff I'm hearing about Mario Williams is very much in line with what I'm hearing about Clayton Smith. Like, people are talking about him at the, you know, like, and it's it's that Florida thing. I mean, where Florida guys at those seven on seven camps and the the you know the Nike camps, the Under Armour camps, all that stuff. Those guys play press all day long. They want to get in your face. It's super aggressive at yeah, the line yeah. of scrimmage. And everybody I talk to is like, nobody can stop him off the line. Like, he is incredibly quick. Just, uh, you know, if, if they press, they, whatever they do, he's got an answer for it. And so it, he, he has made a big impression on some people I've talked to. Um, but if I'm an OU fan, I'm much more excited about Clayton Smith because wide receiver, OU is going to be fine. It, it's going to be fine. Um, now, obviously, Clayton's backing up Nick Benito, but Clayton Smith has a chance to be one of those transcendent kind of turn the story around on your defensive recruiting you know like kind of like Latrell McCutcheon same kind of deal highly ranked went and beat a bunch of good programs to get him all these kind of you know checks all these important boxes and then oh you can say look what we do when we get elite guys I mean we, we've had good players but when we start getting these big time guys watch what happens and Clayton Smith can start to fulfill that and you know with what we've seen already through what a, a little over a year of Jamar Kane there's plenty of reason to believe he'll get that job done yeah, I mean, that really is the next evolution is like, I mean, just talking about Clayton Smith, like he needs to become your Chase Young. Like he needs to become that dude that is in, you know, 
if you have a guy that is in the discussion for the first overall pick of the draft, like that's the next evolution of the OU defense. Yep. That I mean, if you to me, I mean, like I said, with with his talent, with Jamar Kane's what we're what we all believe to be true of his ability to develop a player, I I mean, guys, if he's not an All-American, I'll be somewhat disappointed. I mean, I, I, it's such a huge thing to put on a kid that has like played like Way four practices. Yeah, no, it. it's not fair. It's not. But, I mean, that's how talented he is, and all the things around him align perfectly. I mean, you know, we all assume he's going to spend a year under Nick Benito, get to watch a really good guy do it, watch it, learn from him, kind of you know get his feet wet this year, and then, boy, 2022, man, be that guy and and really have had the time to grow into being that guy rather than kind of getting thrown to the wolves. Well, you're not going to have the luxury of, you know, well, I don't know. I guess the NCAA could say we're not doing red shirts again this year, but you just don't give people a free year of eligibility. You I mean, see at what I'm some saying? point, they got to – at some point, you got to get – everything back in order because these classes are going to be no i mean you can keep in order what i'm saying is you just get rid of red shirting for a year like you don't give them an extra year of eligibility or say you know that this year doesn't count it still counts to your five years but i mean it would be i i think it would be good if they just said let's just do another year without you know not worrying if you play four games you know more than four games you get you you aren't you can't red shirt I don't know. I'm hmm. glad I'm not making those decisions because those are way over my. I'm head. not trying to make anybody's head hurt, but I guess I am. No, what make your head hurt is go look at some of the transcription that came out of the uh, NIL stuff this morning on up in uh, the Supreme Court. Oh God, yeah, I don't want to. I can't handle that right now. I there's it, yeah. Would it surprise you if I told you that it seemed like the NCAA was a little unprepared this morning? <laughs> And that was for the state case, like the Florida. I I truly don't even know. I just I just saw the quotes that were getting sent out on Twitter this morning, okay. and then I looked at some of the, uh, I guess, yeah, just the transcript of it or whatever. All it right. makes my head hurt. All right, uh, I think that's a good place to end it. I think the podcast died a slow death at the end today. <laughs> uh, Thank you to uh, Josh. Thanks to uh, Eddie. Thanks to Bob. Uh, and uh, thanks to you all for listening. Uh, lots of recruiting to continue to come. We're going to get more and more in that. Uh, uh, the basketball search continues as well. Spring practices, of course. Uh, stories going up on Kennedy Brooks today. Uh, much, much more uh, coming throughout the week. So uh, keep checking out the website at Soonerscoop.com. Uh, and come join us on the message boards at the Crimson Corner. Uh, so thank you all for listening and we'll see you all next week for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com.